You're listening to a podcast by Lance Lambert Ministries. For more information on this ministry, visit lancelambert.org and follow us on social media to receive all of our updates. We have a new release coming next month. We will be releasing the audiobook for Lance's book, Let the House of God Be Built, the testimony of Halford House, in late April. In the meantime, we will be focusing this next series of podcasts on testimonies from our brothers and sisters in the Lord. These are testimonies of salvation and testimonies of what the Lord has been doing in the lives of His people. The majority of these messages were given at Halford House in Richmond, England. In this episode, we will hear the testimony of Miss Elizabeth Fishbacher, given at Halford House. Miss Fishbacher was a servant of the Lord in China and a worker in the China Inland Mission. Let's listen. Now, the uh, brother spoke a moment ago. He said how glad he was to have two of his sisters, two of your sisters, here in midst. And I counted the berries. He said, very, very, very glad. Three of them. Well, your two sisters are not less glad. We are very, 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 very glad. <laughs> I was thinking as I listened, that fact here, it's really rather amazing, but it should be so, because Richmond is almost an unknown place to us, and you are almost an unknown people to us. There's scarcely one name known to us. Apart from our brother who is leading, I doubt, if one name is really known to us. No letters whatsoever have passed from our end to this end during the two and a half years at least since we were here and we were only once here, one evening, when Mr. Shaw Candy brought us along to attend an evening meeting. It's not very much contact. And yet, why? Why should you be very, very, very glad to have us? And why should we be very, 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 very glad to be here? That's an amazing thing. Well, we've read just now, uh, we've found just now at the church the body of Christ. It's a reality. We're in a mighty reality. A mysterious reality it is, but oh, how real. We had one personal letter, I think, during the more than two years that we were away. Margaret Tricky wrote us one. I don't think any letter came apart from that one. So we, no, no strain was made at this end to keep up contact, and none was made out of it. <laughs> Someone must have kept it up. <laughs> but another amazing thing, and yet not at all amazing, happened. When we arrived home, Miss Jones and I both had a real desire to come over to Richmond. We didn't express it to anybody, but we, we did, on our knees, express it to the Lord. But we had no idea that there was the same registration as then. 
a desire for contact, for physical contact, and for some more positive expression of fellowship. Well, we're very, 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 very glad to be here, and we count it a privilege. We believe it is in the Lord's purpose, and we are trusting because everything in the body of Christ is mutual, that there will be real blessing on both sides, that we shall be in the hands of the Lord a means of blessing. It would be a dishonor to our head to expect anything less than that. Mm -hmm. But we expect also to receive a blessing and not just a little blessing while we're here. Those few words by way of introduction. I have no thought at all this evening of presenting in any consecutive way a record of the work. In fact, there is no burden on our hearts to give a record of the work, even a disjointed sort of record. We've, we're not two missionaries home on furlough doing deputation work. That's far from our thoughts. We haven't a single meeting on the boards, and we're not expecting any. Hmm. We have no thought of telling of the work. It's very remote from our thought. We've not, no thought of telling of our own work or anyone else's work. But because the Lord has put on all our hearts here something of burden regarding the Lord's interests in the body, we feel that tonight the Lord would allow some little impression of what he is doing to be conveyed here. And as we waited before the Lord, it was borne in upon us that perhaps the Lord would just have a little bit of an impression that has been made upon our lives, have that expressed and that little impression left. We trust that it will make its own impact. As we waited before the Lord, a few verses of scripture were born in upon my heart. I had no thought of expounding scripture. I wasn't asked to do it, and I don't want to. But I believe that the Lord would have the script, these few scriptures that we shall read um, be basic to anything we may say. First Peter 1 <coughs> First Peter 1 23 Having been begotten again I trust that is true of us all here what a tremendous thing, begotten again. Oh, it's coming home to us more and more that God has given us nothing short of his very own life. That makes everything possible. Then on to chapter 2, verse 3. 
ye also as living stones are built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So being begotten again has something in view. Here it is in verse 5. Not just deliverance from sin as we find it set forth in verse 1. Something very positive, something very glorious, something glorious beyond anything you and I had dared to dream of when we first came to the Lord Jesus. Ye also as living stones to be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. It comes home to me again and again, day after day, the tremendous privilege that is ours, that we, simply because we are begotten again, simply because we are possessed of the very life of God in Christ, ministered by the Spirit, we're in a position to offer something to God that God wouldn't have if he hadn't you and me. Oh, it's an amazing thing. If God had not secured you and me, if he had not been able to find out, cleave a way into our beings to implant there eternal life, his very own life, then there's something he would crave and not have. He's done it for this purpose, that we in turn might be able to offer up something to him. And it says here, spiritual sacrifices are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, it's a certain kind of sacrifice he wants, a certain kind of offering, a kind that will really be acceptable to him, that will really satisfy his heart. He's got something quite specific in his heart and mind. That's what he's after, and that's what he's created us for. That's the purpose for which he has given us his very own life. His life that can, can enable us to minister in a way that will perfectly correspond to his own nature and fully satisfy his own heart's desire. But having noted that much, that we are to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, there is another word which we'll not turn to but perhaps suggests itself to you immediately that God wants us to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. Acceptable. But of late the Lord has been emphasizing to me, to us I should say, because when I say, when I speak, I'm not just speaking as an individual. Miss Jones is sitting in the back there, but I think anything I utter, I shall be uttering on behalf of both of us. He has been very much emphasizing something to us both 
for a while and we'll find the thought in Leviticus 1. One, two. <coughs> Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When any man of you offereth an oblation unto the Lord, ye shall offer your oblation. So on, so on, so on, so on. Verse three. the latter part at the door of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. When any man of you offereth, he shall offer it at the door of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. So there is a certain kind of sacrifice which alone is wholly acceptable to God. It's called a spiritual sacrifice. And as we see from that little passage in Peter, there's a history preceding the offering of any truly spiritual sacrifice. There must be, first of all, a breaking in of God into a human life to implant in that life a spiritual life. Mm -hmm. And then much else but it can be summed up in that verse 5 of the second chapter of Peter, being built together, constituted by God's own mighty working, a spiritual priesthood, then can begin the spiritual offering. Offerings acceptable to God. It's a type of offering, a kind of offering. But here it says that if any of us, if any man of you offer it unto the Lord, if any of us have a heart to offer the kind of offering to God that his heart craves, well then there's a specific place to which we must bring that offering. All that has been born in upon us. Miss Jones and I have been under the hand of the Lord for years to get that born in upon us. A place, a specific place, a God-chosen place for the God-appointed offering. He shall offer it at the door of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. Spiritual spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God and here offered in God's own appointed place that he may be that it may be accepted before the Lord shall we turn to another passage Deuteronomy 12 <coughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
verse 1. These are the statutes and the judgments which you have observed to do in the land which the Lord, the God of thy fathers, has given thee to possess it all the days that you live upon the earth. Ye shall surely destroy all the places within the nations which ye shall possess, serve their gods, upon the high mountains and upon the hills and under every green tree. Verse 5. But unto the place which the Lord your God shall choose out of all your tribes to put his name there, even unto his habitation shall ye seek, and thither thou shalt come. And thither ye shall bring your burnt offerings, and your sacrifices, and your tithes, and the heave offering of your hand, and your vows, and your freewill offerings, and the firstlings of your herd, and of your flock. Verse 10, But when you go over Jordan and dwell in the land which the Lord your God causes you to inherit, and he giveth you rest from all your enemies round about, so that you dwell in safety, then it shall come to pass that the place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there, thither shall you bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the heave offering of your hand and all your choice vows, which ye vow unto the Lord. Verse 13. Take heed to thyself that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that thou seest, but in the place which the Lord shall choose in one of thy tribes, there thou shalt offer thy burnt offering, and there thou shalt do all that I command thee. Tremendous emphasis. When I was a little girl of seven years of age, my father one day called me and my eldest brother, who was a year older than I, some of you may have met him, uh, called us to himself and he had two red cash books in front of him. Well, it was a very important day in our history. He said, from today on, I'm going to give you a penny a week. Vast sum of money. <laughs> and you can do exactly as you like with it. Now, there were pennies that were given us for collections, and there were all sorts of things given us at different times, but this was our very own, and we could do exactly as we liked with it. And he told us of various possibilities, and he uh, gave us some very helpful instruction regarding saving and spending and so on. We were very <coughs> indebted to him. Uh, and he presented us with a collection box, a missionary box. He said, you can also put some of your money in there. <laughs> well, his example went a lot further than his instruction, though his instruction was good. He gave and gave lavishly, gave on a large scale, gave in very many directions, and he gave very sacrificially. 
and we owe him a great debt for that. We learned, and learned very early at the age of seven, I began to learn to give and to give sacrificially. I don't think either of us spent many pennies, scarcely any ever, on sweets. And quite a few heatpennies, perhaps an odd penny, went into the missionary box. But that began a little story of giving. We are deeply indebted to my father for teaching us to give and to give sacrificially, not just money. He'd come to us on a Sunday or on some occasion when we were having special treats, some very good things to eat, and he'd say to the whole family, now who's going to give up such and such today? We'll, t we'll go and visit such and such a person and we'll take these things. Well, I, don't, I want to pass this over this, but it's just introductory to um, what followed later. We learn to give, and we learn to give in many directions. We learn to give to other lands. And my father's wide horizon meant that his free sacrificial giving meant that not only did much go out in the direction of many lands, but people from other lands came into our home and magazines came in and so on, letters came in. It was very enlarging. We were naturally interested in missions and I personally was exercised from my very early days, from almost from the day of my new birth at 14, about other lands, and particularly about China. But I have no thought of dwelling on that. But I feel tonight that the Lord would have me leave with you, if possible, a little impression of what he is doing in the Far East through impressions made upon my own life because I have not just in an objective way seen what God is doing, I have met what God is doing. And something from the Church of the Living God in different parts of the Far East has entered into my very makeup. But when I went out to China, believing the Lord called me, having learned to make many offerings, first my hapenies at seven in this little missionary box, and then gradually bigger offerings as resources increased, and offerings not just of money but of various other kinds. Learn to make offerings, but I made them here and there and everywhere, all kinds of offerings offered in all kinds of places, offered it in all kinds of ways. I hadn't the remotest idea that there was a specific place 
to which we should bring all our offerings. Nor had I any idea that there was a specific kind of offering which alone was utterly acceptable to God. I offered time, I offered strength, I offered health, I offered education, I offered all that was dear to me as far as I knew. Oh, I sacrificed, sacrificed beyond my own ability. Sacrificed to a point that there was a great deal of repression in my life and nature sought vengeance later on. But to make a long story short, I offered to the China Inland Mission. I brought my offering to that door. I knew something of the blessings of the Lord in those days and beyond. I sent to the into the interior and there offerings of various kinds continued offered at various places in various ways. But I had never thought a thought about the door of the tent of meeting. I'd never thought of the tent of meeting. I had never seen the Church of the Living God. I hadn't seen it objectively. I hadn't, much less, had I met it subjectively. I hadn't even got a mental apprehension of it, much less a spiritual revelation. It didn't really enter into my thoughts. I wanted to belong to God. I wanted to offer myself to God. And I offered and offered and offered. Well, I hadn't been up very long when my health broke down and sent home. And after about three years, went out again. And I think it was shortly after I returned in the second period in China, I can't clearly recall. I was out one day traveling. And because of difficulties on the road, I was held up in a wayside inn. I wasn't feeling particularly well. In fact, I was feeling rather unwell that day. And it was very hot. And it was a miserable kind of an inn. And I lay down on, a brick, on the brick platform there, feeling a bit sorry for myself. I had a Chinese companion. And this Chinese companion was sitting on the brick platform beside me, reading a magazine while I lay there. And after a bit, she said to me, would you like me to read something to you? I said, yes, thank you. And she began to read. And before very long, I'd forgotten all about my aches and pains and my misery. And I was sitting bolt upright, looking over her shoulder. She was reading an article by Watchman Lee. Now, that was my first <laughs> registration of something other than I had known from my childhood. I was so interested that I begged the magazine and I read and reread that article. I thought, well, I've never met anything like this. I was meeting, meeting a stream of life. 
Well, from that time on, I occasionally read an article of his in a, a China, in Chinese in a Chinese magazine, and occasionally I heard an odd remark about the work that he was engaged in or his associates. But there was a real desire in my heart that one day I would come into touch with this brother and with those associated with him. Perhaps I would attend a conference sometime in Shanghai. But Shanghai was a very, very far distant call and I was a member of the China Inland Mission in the interior of China. Gradually, uh, becoming a, a sort of a revivalist whose services were wanted over a wide area. And I used to go around conducting uh, conferences in various so-called churches. Um, I never thought at all of the question of church or churches until on a certain occasion I was invited to help with some student work in uh, Chilo University, Shandong province. When I got there, I found myself in a very big city and after spending some time amongst the students there, uh, which was not China Inland Mission province at all, but the mission had allowed me to uh, extend my efforts beyond their, uh, beyond their area. Uh, after I was, had done a bit of work amongst these students, and I was tremendously impressed by these students, I met something that I had not met anywhere else. I called it the cross. I thought there was an atmosphere about them that I hadn't met elsewhere, and I found that these had been influenced uh, by workers who had come from Shanghai and who were associates of Ravanese. There was just a feel, something of a feel about them. It made me want more than ever to touch uh, the center of things. Well, after having a time with those students, uh, I was invited by one of the denominations in this part of China, in this city, to take a series, conduct a series of revival meetings or something of the sort. And I was invited by the Presbyterians, and I was invited by the Baptists, and I was invited by several different sections in this great city, and for the first time something registered. Well, what's all this? Different groups in the one city, and they're all asking me to take meetings. What are these different groups doing? And the thought of churches and church began to exercise my heart. But there was something just not right here. 
in the interior uh, there was there was um, over a large area only China inland mission work so that any converts just automatically uh, joined the local church and so the thought of divisions denominations it never occurred to me but when I reached this big city the thing forcibly impressed itself upon me and I thought there must be a solution to this problem well as I mentioned these young students a group of them had been influenced by uh, the brother me or his associates and there was a stamp about them that was somehow different from that which I met in the denominations and it filled me with a real desire to touch some of the leaders in uh, 1935 I found myself in the summertime at a, hill, uh, a summer resort and as I was staying with a friend the guest of a friend another guest arrived on the scene watched me there was a story of the sovereign ordering of God in that meeting which wasn't even remotely planned by me I hadn't dreamed of but from the first moment I knew that I was touching a man of God and strangely enough the first moment I saw him I thought I've met you before you've got the same feel about you that those students had they had at least a little bit of that same atmosphere around them well just before this meeting I had heard quite a bit about Watchman me and his associates and work I'd heard from different people and from almost all I heard it was as though he and those associated with him were all people to be shunned in fact I heard him and his associates spoken of in such a way by Christians and Christian workers that one might have thought they had the pest and I remember saying to myself well if that's the pest let me get it and let me get it badly <laughs> well I was uh, still a missionary in the China Inland Mission and uh, Before long, I found myself dissociating, cutting my connection with the China Inland Mission, and moving out I didn't know where. I believe, and I've stated it, don't hesitate to state it openly, that I precipitated Nisio. I moved out but God knew my heart 
and though he dealt with me drastically for moving, he, in his goodness, in his own time, led me in, in a spiritual way, into real association with his servant and those associated with him, the local churches. <clears throat> that meeting in Chifu, though it was just a very ordinary meeting, we were just two guests in the same house and had a limit, limited amount of touch. Uh, that marked the beginning of a deeper relationship with the Lord. It marked the beginning of the real spiritual history. It marked the beginning of great bewilderment, marked the beginning of a distress, trial of various times such as I had never known. When I felt I had come to a crisis and just leave China and get far enough away from everybody and everything to get perspective. And I was very much afraid of person, personalities and human influences. So I determined to thrash things out myself. Get alone with God, alone with the Word of God, alone in my away from work, away from everything, everybody. And get clear on church sister's position and sister's ministry and my ministry and so on and so on. Well, that's my story and I don't bring it in any further except in as far as it's related to what I know of the East. Well, I don't want to pursue this in detail, but Again, through the East, the Lord met me in a very definite and rather overwhelming way. I found myself brought face to face with the reality of spiritual poverty. Or I could say face to face with God. The demands of God, the throne of God, the headship of Christ, if you like. But I didn't meet it away up in some remote realm where I had always sought to meet it up to that point and could always dodge it. I met it right down on the earth, related to persons and places. In, place where, in places and ways that it couldn't be dodged anymore. And my life was turned topsy-turvy. I had never until after that meeting in Chifu in, in the Far East, I'd never touched Anarok, but after that time when I came home, the Lord led me to Anarok, but I'm not here to tell any Anarok history. In the year 39, toward the end of 39, I went back to China. I went back to China on that occasion um, to work 
under the authority of the local church in Shanghai. The tables have been turned. Um, I had a period of quite a number of years in Shanghai, and that included a, an internment period where Miss Jones and I met and had fairly close touch for about two and a half years. And then we came home in 46. Again, it was a long period at home, about 10 years, where all thought of the Far East was given up. Never dreamed of seeing the Far East again. Suddenly, when we'd well settled in, in a little house of our own, in Forest Tool, the Lord said, now pack up, go out east again. By the way, in Chifu, on that memorable meeting with the, some of the brothers and sisters of the local churches in China, we came into touch with Brother Witness Lee, who will probably be coming over here shortly. He was the leader of that particular local company. One of the outstanding impressions of that time was I had met brothers and sisters. Now, of course, I had read the Bible, read about a brother or a sister, but the deep and permanent impression from that first meeting with one of the local companies in China was this. I've got brothers and sisters. I am a sister. Oh, it was a sweet and precious impression. But there was nothing sentimental about it. It was just utterly real. And that has remained. When the Lord brought us out again, sent us out again east, and Miss Jones and me, just about two and a half years ago, there was one thing that was very, very clear to us that we two were going out east as two sisters. We were going out to a local company, the Lord's children, but we were going out just as two sisters, to be two sisters to brothers and sisters out there. And the Lord maintained us in that position. But to revert to the word which we stressed here, God had made it very, very plain that he wanted not a lot of indiscriminate offerings, not even great offerings, not even many offerings. He wanted offerings of a particular type, and he wanted them all offered in a specific place. That cut across everything apart, it shattered, shattered all apart. And I'd like just to say this, that when that thing broke in upon my spirit, I was covered with confusion, ashamed, ashamed to the deeps of my being of every offering I'd ever offered before then. I had known what it was to 
confessing, confessing, to be very detailed and very definite. I'd sought as far as ever I knew how to be very clear and have a clear cut with that whole, the whole realm as far as I understood. But I had never in my past history known conviction as I knew then. Conviction of sin was nothing compared with conviction of offering offerings to God that were unacceptable to him. Offering offerings to him in places that he hadn't chosen. It was devastating to discover that these sacrifices I had made for God, many costly sacrifices, that I had made for God, I wouldn't have made them for anybody else, that they weren't acceptable to him, weren't the kind he wanted, they weren't offered in the place he wanted. Oh, I was far more ashamed of my sacrificial offering than I'd ever been ashamed of any sin I'd ever committed. Oh, I saw the vast between the utmost any man can offer and that that God requires and that that God can receive from a human creature on earth who has been begotten again because through that begetting again there is the possibility offering sacrifices that are spiritual sacrifices and offering sacrifices in the right way. But without going into any details, I should like to say, I feel I want to stress this point that God in his great grace took me out east. I believe definitely he took me out in the first place. He took me out I went out as a missionary. Oh, an ordinary, a very ordinary missionary. But on a missionary pedestal, doing missionary work. A teacher of the Chinese. I'd gone out to the heathen Chinese to instruct them about the things of Christ. But God, in his great, great grace, brought me face to face with the church of the living God. Yes, with churches, local churches. But with churches that were not just New Testament churches. That were not just right in technique or perhaps numerically strong or uh, very evangelical. But he brought me to the reality of that indefinable mystery called the church, brought me into touch with it on the earth, in ordinary places, amongst ordinary people. You try to define it. Where is it? What is it? You just know you've met. You've met the reality of God to meet the reality of the Church of God. Well, that supremely, I should say, is the thing 
we have seen and in the grace of God to some extent enter into in touching the East. We went out, Miss Jones went out as a missionary, likewise in another mission, and she would count it her greatest, the greatest grace of God that he shattered her missionary pedestal, as I would count it the greatest grace of God that he shattered mine and brought us to the door of the tent. And he enabled us because of that mighty begetting to offer something that was acceptable to him. And we were led in that offering by our Eastern brothers and sisters. So our doing out on this second occasion was something of a very different or this last occasion, I should say, was something of a very, very different order from our first going out. We might sacrifice before. We might give up this and give up that. We might give up very much. We might even give up everything we knew. But we weren't seeking to give up things. We weren't seeking to do things. But we were trusting that mighty, mighty life that mysterious life in us to offer in that reality that mystery called the Church of Christ the Church of the Living God we were seeking there to offer the kind of sacrifice the kind of offering that God wanted just a few moments more just for a few words regarding our time in Hong Kong. We went out uh, really not knowing where we were going, except that we were going to the Far East, and that um, we took our tickets originally to Singapore. And I think just because there is an emphasis in my spirit tonight, I'll tell you just a fraction about are being sidetracked, if you like, but sidetracked for the right place. Um, we had been approached by Amarok as to whether we would consider going to Singapore. It came very much out of the blue when we were most deeply exercised about going And we took our tickets to Singapore and then had a great big query and a, and a closed door. No way to Singapore. We couldn't get permits to enter. And yet, when the permits were refused us, we had a strange sense of it being right that they were refused us, and it being right that that door was shut, and yet a stronger sense than ever that we were to pursue. And an amazing thing happened. I got a strong registration in spirit that I was to apply, I was to write a letter to Brother Witness Lee and tell him that we wished to come out east and we would 
be happy to come from Hong Kong and have fellowship with him if he responded. He got a letter back and from the moment in spirit we had touched this door, if you like, everything opened wide and everything cleared. I believe, well we know, though we have been cut off for many years from the Far East, we realize that in the ordering of God, headship was vested there. We had, at an earlier period, had to meet the question of headship as vested in the God-appointed leader of the work. And we had had very little touch with Brother Whittensley, but the moment this registration came in spirit, and we wrote addressing Brother Lee, everything took. We knew we were touching the river of life. We um, extended our tickets to Hong Kong, went there, knew we were in the place of God, and from that moment on, everything, we were in a, in a way of release, a way of life. But the very first day we arrived in Hong Kong, and I should proceed that by saying Hong Kong hadn't so much figured in our thinking up to that point, much less had we had any desire to uh, live there or labor there. And we had heard very little about Hong Kong, and what we had heard was not very satisfactory. So we had queries. <coughs> Is there a real church there? <laughs> and we knew a few people by name, but could, could God commit himself in that full way to such people under such conditions and so on and so on and so on. With these questions we arrived. It was a Saturday and the elders were having their meeting that day. They called us in for a little while and before we left they said, uh, would you care to take some sisters meeting? Well, neither of us had spoken Chinese for at least 10 years and um, we had been in concentration camp for two and a half years before that so Chinese was not very handy and uh, in any case I had not, neither of us had been doing much talking of any kind much less preaching uh, for a very long time And as we came out of the elders' room, I turned to Miss Jones and said, I haven't got any burden. But the words had barely escaped my lips when I had a check in spirit. Who asked you? But I didn't believe You see, I was thinking in terms of men. I was thinking in terms of... Mm -hmm. 
possibility here on earth of offering even to the eternal God, even to the God of glory, sacrifices that are acceptable to him. But these have to be offered in a certain place. Take heed lest thou offer them in any place of perfection. But if we locate the place that God has chosen and accept it, whatever we may think of the place, and recognize the authority of the throne in heaven as vested on forty failing men on the earth, and not take issue with the man, but have dealings with God himself and bow to his throne. What we need of God's grace and of the reality of that river that is pulled out. Well, we were challenged. Miss Jones and I again and again and again challenged by the throne of God on the earth in specific places specific people. And our way of life was always just to bow. It was our way through. And it was the way of relief. But a great, great challenge has come to us from behind the bamboo curtain. The greatest challenge I think we will ever make is that right? It has come from Shanghai. There, our brother Lee and some of the brothers and sisters with whom we had close fellowship in earlier days, they, have, they are serving sentences in communist prisons. And we've heard people say, oh, what wealth might come, could come, would come to the Church of God if only these servants of his were released? What, what words they could utter today, how they could set forth Christ, how they could proclaim the whole counsel of God. How needed they are. Well, we have no sense of it, though. Mm. Oh, we are challenged by the mighty ministry that is being ministered to God from those prisons. We have reason to know, we have sufficient data to cause us to know that an offering is being offered to God that is very acceptable to him. In that Leviticus passage just a little bit further down from the word which we read, if any man would offer, and it's referring to the burnt offering, if any man would offer, let him bring it, his offering, to the door of the tent that he may be accepted to God. And some of his servants have brought their offering and they brought it there. And God has accepted it. And it says of that offering, 
but it's a whole burnt offering, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. And that is perhaps one of the strongest emphases in my heart these days. We think, oh, we can offer an offering and when we get through with that, there'll be more release and we'll have a bit of ministry for the Lord. We'll be able to go somewhere and do something or other. We have a, a bigger offering, a bigger challenge and a bigger response and a bigger offering and then a bigger release and we go somewhere else and we do something else for the Lord. And we have yet a bigger offering and then we have some more release and perhaps some uttered ministry and perhaps a bit of very obvious ministry. We think that's the issue of all my sacrifice, of all that cost in the past. And we're always hoping for an issue in this thing. But God has said he has given us all he has given us, even the very his very own life in his son. He's given us that to enable us to offer acceptable offering, not to get through with it and get on with somebody, something else. And one thing that has deeply impressed itself upon us through our touch with the Lord's servants in Hong Kong and in other parts earlier on, but perhaps more particularly through the chance that comes to us from Shanghai is this, that the offering God is asking is one all-inclusive offering, a whole world offering, an offering made by fire of a sweet savour unto the Lord. It's not an offering that will lead to something of relief. It's not an offering that will have an issue in wonderful uttered ministry or some very obvious oh, form of usefulness to God and to God's people. It is an offering that is an end of itself. The process is not leading to something, it is the thing itself. May you offer sacrifices to the Lord that satisfy His heart. May you know the deep, deep love of Jesus. Wow.